History is strange. It's alien. And it won't give us what we would like to have. It's hour three of a Tuesday morning on this 12th of December, 2023. Gatto's Tire and Auto Service, our hour sponsor. Headline at BillMick.com. Canceled this, and we hit that up in our first hour. And it's been an interesting day so far as Dave Bowman's joined us throughout. And now on a Tuesday at 8 o'clock, it's time for Dave to bring us Dave Does History. Dave, we're talking Pennsylvania today. We got, what are we leading up to here? Well, we're really talking more than just Pennsylvania. We're just kind of using Pennsylvania as a micro microcosm of the entire debate. But on December 12th in 1787, that would be today, mm-hmm. the state of Pennsylvania became the second state to ratify the United States Constitution. Now, while Pennsylvania did so very quickly, it didn't mean that there weren't a lot of the same debates and in many ways some of the same issues that would face the other states. Other states would take their time. In at least three cases, states would delay ratification until after uh, after it was already in effect, so forth and so on. You're not going to see the Federalist Papers written in Pennsylvania. The debate in Pennsylvania is very suppressed. It's very quick, but it is a good overview of all the issues that face all the other states. Now, the reason Pennsylvania doesn't have the issues that, say, New York or Virginia or Massachusetts will have is because they have something that none of the other states have. They have a fellow who goes by the name of Ebenezer, That's his name. He has a brother named Isaac, by the way. But Ebenezer is a lawyer, and he lives in Philadelphia. And Ebenezer is an ardent Federalist. He's someone who believes that the Constitution not only should be ratified, but must be ratified. He is a staunch Federalist. And Ebenezer, of all the people in the history of this country, has a plan to make sure that at least in Pennsylvania, the Constitution gets ratified. It's a plan, Bill, that is so cunning, you could stick a tail on it and call it a weasel. Oh, that's intriguing. We pick it up in 60 seconds. Dave does history on Bill McLive. So, Dave, this this attorney and this plan that could be a weasel if we put a tail on it, is he the reason, Ebenezer, that, that we have the term Philadelphia lawyer? You know, I never really made that connection before, but it's possible, I suppose. It could be. So what's going on here? Well, we'll have more to say about Ebenezer later. But the state of Pennsylvania is, as I said, it's a great example of the entire debate over ratification of the Constitution. There are a lot of myths about the ratification and a lot of misunderstandings about it. And as I said to one of your listeners yesterday, hey, Chris, um, this is one of my passions. And I love talking constitutional issues. I like talking about history of the Constitution. 
one of the things that has always bothered me is that the vast majority of the people in this country believe that the Constitution was just this easy thing. It was just a snap, and boom, we had it. Because, I don't know, pick your reason, divinely inspired, whatever. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, when people say to me, oh, we've never been more divided as a country, I look at them and say, what happened on July 4th, 1788? And they just stare at me for the most case. Right. Do you realize that you had Americans ready to shoot at each other, to kill each other? over whether or not the Constitution should be ratified? Nah. We had a state call out its own militia to break up a barbecue for people that wanted the Constitution ratified. That actually happened. People don't understand these things. They don't understand the issues. They, they, they don't really grasp these things. And, of course, Pennsylvania is home to most uh, to some of the most well-known and effective framers of the Constitution. I go back to that uh, time where we had a caller who said, you know, only five people did anything there. Well, I guess if you were just counting Pennsylvania, that might be true. Ben Franklin. Uh, I, do I even need to talk about Ben Franklin? Governor no. Morris. We've done a whole show about Governor Morris, the man who wrote the, the preamble. Robert uh -huh. Morris, the the uh, the financier who, who funded the Continental Army, James Wilson, the man who invented the presidency. We did a show about this. All these guys are from Pennsylvania. You also have George Clymer, who is an, an ardent abolitionist. Uh, Thomas Fitzsimmons, who is interesting because he is actually one of the framers that thinks that a standing army isn't just a great idea. He thinks it's a necessary idea and advocates for a standing army. All the Ron Paul people just had heart attacks. Uh, Gerald Ingersoll, <laughs> who was there to revise the Art of Articles of Confederation, not to redo the Constitution, to do the Constitution. All of these people from Pennsylvania were there, and they stuck it out. They well, were, this disagreement, they were able to pass it rather quickly. Yes, they are. And that's kind of the whole point of all this. The ratification debates are a window into how we became a nation. Now, I have, a, I have an idea that I've been working on for many years. Uh, one of these days, it might be, my, might be my dissertation, Bill. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. And that is that the, the concept of the modern libertarian ideal, not the libertarian party. Let me be very clear about that. We are not talking about the libertarian party. We are talking about libertarian ideas, many of which you have expressed, I have expressed, those sure. courts of the, this idea of liberty. The libertarian of today is the ideological grandchild of the anti-federalists, the people who opposed the Constitution in 1787 and 1788. Now think about that for just a moment. The people who were against ratifying what we say we love today are the people who gave us our belief system, this libertarian idea. Federalists, even in 1787, and by the way, that's not the term that they would have used for themselves. Federalists are, at their core, pro-strong, big governments. Mm -hmm. So what would we call that today? A liberal? Possibly? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, very much so, likely. And so it's these anti-federalists who oppose the ratification of the Constitution that really give us libertarian ideas that we have adopted today. And in fact, even though they're going to lose the argument, ultimately, they have a lot of influence and a lot to say. And Pennsylvania has a lot of anti-federalists. The problem is that the anti-federalists are not nearly as organized or uh, what? maybe not as, as passionate, I guess. Passionate is a bad word. Or prolific in writing prolific about their stuff. In, they, yeah. they are prolific in writing. There are more anti-federalist papers than there are federalist papers. The difference is one of, well, palatability, Bill, to go back to our two. Mm -hmm. It's an issue of palatability. Do you get people to accept that this is necessary or not? And ultimately, the anti-federalists are going to lose on that argument because even anti-federalists agree that the current government, the Articles of Confederation, isn't working. We're having problems. Each section of the country has different issues. Each section of the country has different concerns. And the passion with which those are held varies. In the Northeast, in Massachusetts, the Anti-Federalists are very strong because these are the Minutemen, the patriots of the American Revolution. Mm -hmm. In the South, they're there, but they've got bigger concerns. In fact, Georgia will later be accused of ratifying the Constitution, not because it's in their best interest, but because they want to drag the other 11 states into a war with Spain. And, and they figure, well, this Constitution will mean that they have to go along with us. So they're accused of that. Whether or not it's true is debatable. But here in Pennsylvania, the Federalists, although the Federalist Papers have begun to appear, aren't aren't really all that popular yet, but there are a lot of anti-Federalist pamphlets making the rounds. They're being collected, they're being printed, they're being prepared. And as these are making their rounds, our friend Ebenezer begins to, who is a staunch Federalist, by the way, he begins to read these anti-Federalist pamphlets that are being printed in Pennsylvania. And he discovers a problem. These anti-federalist papers in Pennsylvania make too much sense. Uh-oh. They're too good. What if people read these? The Constitution might not be palatable anymore. I must stop the Constitution from coming, or the anti-federalists from coming, but how? Silence their speech. Bingo. Get them to preach about Ron Paul. Maybe that'll do it. Dave Bowman with us. Dave does history on Bill McLive. We continue that in moments on 92.7 FM WMMB.
our weekly dive into history. Dave Bowman joins us on Bill Mick Live. Gatto's Tire and Auto Service bringing you this hour of the show. Our sister station, Light Rock 99.3, with 24-7 Christmas music through the holiday. You can catch up with them at lightrock99.3.com. Dave, we're talking about Pennsylvania, Federalist, Anti-Federalist, and, and a quick discussion of all these issues in Pennsylvania ratifies the Constitution. What are they bringing into play here? And you say it's a microcosm of what happened around the country. It is, because we're going to face the same issues in Pennsylvania. The The difference in Pennsylvania and other states, now there are four states, uh, Delaware, Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, and New Jersey, that are going to ratify pretty quickly. But in Pennsylvania, it's going to feel extra rushed. Delaware is a very small state. New Jersey, kind of a small state. Georgia, of course, a tiny state population-wise. But it's Pennsylvania that's the first real test of all this stuff. And, of course, the issues that we're facing are, as I said, the same issues that all the other states are facing. The same argument, anti-federalist, federalist. And, again, those are terms that we apply to them. They would never have accepted those terms themselves. Um, but at the same time, you could look at it as pro-ratification and anti-ratification. We're going to stay with federalists and anti-federalists because of what everybody knows. The, the first issue, of course, is the strong central government versus states' rats. This was the one of the biggest concerns, particularly up in the Northeast in the, with, uh, with Sam Adams and uh, the folks up in Massachusetts. A strong central government is seen as dangerous to the sovereign rights of these states, which have operated as essentially sovereign countries for the better part of the past 20 years. And they're concerned that if a, if a strong central government comes in, how do we protect our rights as a state? Now, what are states' rights in the big scheme of things? What, what kind of things are we talking about here? Anybody have a clue? Yes, slavery is one of them, but we're also talking about things like coining money and controlling my own economy. Rhode Island is particularly adept at this. Rhode Island is noted for inflating and deflating its own currency to its own advantage. So other states are getting mad about this because, because Rhode Island, tiny little petulant Rhode Island, is taking advantage of them by manipulating currency. But there's nothing that keeps states from doing this. So you could have a Georgia dollar or a Virginia shilling, or whatever, and you have to, as you're traveling around the country, you have to change your money so that you can get, you know, your, your business done. It's uh, it's not At a... At the prevailing exchange rate the right, state dictates. Right, which of course is it, their to their advantage is part of the whole deal. Sure. There's a question about representation in Congress. Now, Today, to us, it's not much of a debate, but, you know, it's based on population in the Congress, and it's based on, uh, you know, each state gets two senators. But even that isn't settled law yet. It's, it's the Constitution as recommended, but only if we ratify it. And there are some people who are still very, very uncomfortable, especially in Quaker-dominated Pennsylvania, with this three-fifths compromise that makes slaves, which are property, 
account for representation in Congress, which gives the South, the slave states, more representation than they would otherwise have. And there's questions about the executive power, which, of course, did anybody raise just an odd question that comes to mind? Slaves were property. So were cattle and other. Did anybody raise that saying, hey, if you're going to do that, let's do it with cattle, too. Yes and no. Ben Franklin famously brought up the issue one time about, you know, he's you have to own property to be to be a voter in some places. Is that legit? What if I own a pig and the pig dies? Am I still a voter? If I own a slave, I'm a property owner, but the slave dies, do I still get to vote? And Ben Franklin famously asked, so is the vote in the man or is it in the pig? And we still don't know the answer to that, but we actually do. But it wasn't it wasn't seen as something they really wanted to get into. Bill, talk about the Supreme Court punting on issues. Right. Nobody wanted to deal with that. So we're still going through the arguments, Dave, of the anti-federalists and the federalists as Pennsylvania moving quickly to ratify this Constitution. They are moving very quickly. They call for a convention. Remember that the the Constitution was signed on September 17th. It was sent to the states a week later with the with the idea that the states would call their own individual conventions to ratify or not ratify. There's questions about executive power, which you know, these are huge issues. Is the president too powerful? But remember, it's James Wilson from Pennsylvania that's created this. There are economic interests. Probably the strongest anti-federalist state is New York. And New York, oddly enough, has the best economy in the entire country from a state standpoint. They are doing very well, even as other states like Massachusetts and Georgia and some others are having some financial difficulties. But New York is doing great, and they want to keep it that way. Slavery is a huge issue. Uh, There's a lot of discomfort with the idea of continuing slavery. Slavery does not, and, and even they recognize this then, slavery does not comport itself with the actual values that we have expressed in the in the Declaration of Independence. And this is going to be mm-hmm. one of those in the back of our mind bothering us conscious things for many, many years. There is a question about the ratification process and the fact that Pennsylvania is pushing it so quickly. Are we really getting a good debate on this? But of course, the biggest issue of all the anti-federalist arguments, the biggest issue, Bill, is that the Constitution does not contain a Bill of Rights. And they, the anti-federalists see this as proof that this Constitution is designed to become a domineering, controlling, evil, centralized government because there's, there's no protections for individual liberties in here. Yet those in favor would argue that they're implicit in what's written in the document. Not only do they argue that, but James Madison's actual argument against the Bill of Rights, James Madison, the man who writes the Bill of Rights, ultimately, mm-hmm. argues that if you put a Bill of Rights into this, it's going to be a problem. Because what will happen is it, it, then it will be limited to that. In other words, if we enumerate... If it doesn't say it, you don't have it. Right. So... You'd have to say that subsequent developments, and we don't have time to get into this, the the concept of implied rights, you'd have to say that Madison may have been right about that. But for the moment, 
The Anti-Federalists are adamant. There must be a Bill of Rights. And as they write these letters, letters from a federal farmer, Anti-Federalist papers, Cato, Cicero, all these, they're, 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 they're fantastic readings that I would recommend that every American today read if you really want to know what's wrong with our government. The Anti-Federalists called this to a T back in 1787. The problem is they're making too much sense. They're, they're too good. They're, they're brilliant papers, Bill. And if people start reading these, they'll start pressing their delegates to, to not vote to ratify. And Ebenezer decides, well, I better do something about this, because otherwise it could be a problem. That would be the plan that becomes the weasel, huh? Yes. A plan and so that comes up. Go ahead. A plan so cunning you could stick a tail on it and call it a weasel. And that's next as we continue Dave Does History on Bill McLive. You can also hit us up via the talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app as Gatto's Tire and Auto Service brings you this hour of the show, which brings you Dave Does History as we talk the ratification of the Constitution by the state of Pennsylvania on this day back in 1787, but it's not quite a done deal yet. So, Dave, Pennsylvania's got a lot of issues on the table like the rest of the country does, but this lawyer, this Ebenezer fellow, says it must be done. What's going on? Ebenezer. Where are you? Done? You're not there. I'm not. I'm, here. Not, I'm still here. I'm here. I'm, I'm oh, here. There. I'm here. I, hit, I hit the wrong button. There we go. I'm now here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm like the who's. I'm here. Yeah, you are. Exactly. Go ahead. <laughs> Ebenezer is a fascinating character in history. Ebenezer is a patriot. He's a man that served his country for many years. Ebenezer was actually at Lexington Green in 1775. He and his brother Isaac were there. They were two of the youngest people there. His brother Isaac actually goes on to become a captain in the Continental Army and an adjutant to, uh, to, the, to the commanding general there for a while. They are not people to be, I don't want to say trifled with, but they're not, they're people that are involved with things. And Ebenezer, as he has become a lawyer uh, since then, is very active in the Federalist cause. He really believes in this Constitution and the necessity for this. And he doesn't he doesn't like the arguments against it. He's very very appalled by the fact that anybody would 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 argue that you you have flaws with this Constitution or arguments with this Constitution. And as he's reading these anti-Federalist papers, you talk about you know, closing your mind to things, Bill, and, and not wanting to change your mind. Mm -hmm. He's reading things that he knows make sense. 
and he knows that if these if these get out, people might start to believe them. You know, kind of like misinformation on social media. People have to be directed and guided in the in the in the you know in the straight way of things, and so Ebenezer takes these anti-federalist papers that he has been given because he was, he's supposed to take them to a printing office where they can be printed and distributed. So trusted him with them. Right. He's supposed to do this because that way they can be distributed and the debate can be robust and full. And, you know, again, if these are wrong, then use your speech to show that they're right. Show that your position's right is my, is the way I would have said what I would have said to him. But Ebenezer doesn't do that. Ebenezer takes these anti-federalist pamphlets and he locks them in his desk drawer where they sit until after he dies. When his family discovers them there and they go, oh, well, you know, guess uh, guess he wasn't as into that as, you know, because again, there's no First Amendment yet, so there's no free speech kind of thing. And Pennsylvania pushes forward and on December 12th, very quickly, by a vote of 46 to 23, Pennsylvania becomes the second state to ratify the Constitution. Now, why, why do I even care about this whole situation? I mean, Pennsylvania ratifying is, is a positive, of course. You know, now you've got two states down. You need seven to go because you've got to have nine to get to the, to the threshold where we're going to say, okay, this is in effect. Pennsylvania becomes the second one. Within a couple of months, you're going to have two more, and then the debates are really going to get nasty. But why does all this matter to me? You might be crying. Well, Ebenezer is, um, I don't, I'm not, well, I guess the best way to say this, Bill, is that Ebenezer is my great, 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 great eight generations ago grandfather. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. It's cool until he does this. He's a- <laughs> And thus, he's a Philadelphia lawyer. Right. Do you know, Dave, which arguments he was burying in his desk, which particular issues he said, this is going to be a problem, so we got to well, bury this? No, I don't know, because we haven't seen them. But it, primarily, it's the lack of Bill of Rights, which the, the anti-federalists were absolutely adamant about. And to this day, when libertarians start talking about things, what do they talk about? They talk about Bill of Rights issues. And limiting the power of federal government. Well, federalists in that area, era would have been seen as big government people. They wanted a very powerful centralized government. And in many cases, were not happy that it was being limited to the federal government. There were many people who believed that from the beginning, the Constitution should just take the place of the state governments. James Madison believed this. Alexander Hamilton believed this. And I'm sure Ebenezer Bowman believed it. But at the moment, he's just, well, canceling people. Going back to the first hour, he's going, he's going full-on cancel culture to get these anti-federalist pamphlets hidden. Now, on the plus side, it wasn't all that successful in an effort because the anti-federalist papers did make it uh, into publication. Mm-hmm. Although for reasons that should be pretty obvious, they are not as revered as the Federalist Papers are. But I would encourage you and your listeners, if you haven't read the Anti-Federalist Papers, you really should. You would be surprised at how much more, I think, you agree with them than you did with the Federalists. 
it it very much might surprise you. I did a a whole series on uh, the Anti-Federalist Brutus last year, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's mind-boggling how much those Anti-Federalists we owe them today because of the conservative libertarian idealism comes directly from their beliefs. I have to wonder just how disappointed super great grandpa Ebenezer is in his progeny, Dave, the heavy libertarian leaning Bowman. You know, it's interesting because once upon a time I was asked on the air, Dave, if you had been there, would you have been a Federalist or an Anti-Federalist? And at the time I said I would have been a Federalist. But you know, the more I've studied, the more I've read, the more I've learned, the more convinced I am that I would have been probably an Anti-Federalist, although not militantly. I would have pushed for the you Bill of Rights. You would not have been preaching Ron Paul. Right. But I would have been, <laughs> I would have said, hey, if you don't have a Bill of Rights, you don't really have a constitution. And of course, uh-huh. as the ratification debates go on, all of the states agree to that and say, okay, if we're going to ratify, we're going to have a Bill of Rights. So, And they trusted okay. each other enough to pass it and then add the Bill of Rights later. Not, not only that, but the guy who ends up writing the Bill of Rights is the guy that says we don't need one. Isn't that interesting? Your question's coming up at 321-768-1240 in just a minute on this Dave Does History edition of Bill McLeod. Gatto's Tire and Auto Service, the hour sponsor, and uh, Dave's eight generations removed grandfather uh, doing his part to make sure that the Constitution was passed in Pennsylvania by hook or by crook. Let's get uh, to the phones. Line one, you're on Bill McLeod. Good morning. Uh, good morning. This is Mario with Cape Canaveral. I would like to know... Uh, if uh, if the um, if the Constitution uh, can function under a a, a two party system, and uh, in, in, in what is the interplay between a two party system and the Constitution? And that's pretty much America is now under a two party system, two party rather than a Constitution. Or is America under a two party system, and the Constitution does you know help to uh, alleviate some of the problems and division there? Interesting questions. Dave, how do you see it? Well, with the exception of the first three elections, America's always been under a two-party system. So there have been occasional third parties that had some influence, but not enough to to really change things. And and post-1840, post you're, you're stuck, you know, pretty much with the two parties. Um, the Constitution itself is amenable to a party system or a non-party system. The problem becomes politics, not the Constitution. The problem becomes whether or not politicians are going to follow the Constitution, and more importantly, whether we the people are going to make them follow the Constitution. The, The Federalist Paper, number 57, it's probably one of my favorites, where Hamilton, or I'm sorry, Madison talks about the spirit of liberty and the fact that as long as the American citizens essentially hold our politicians' feet to the fire, we'll be fine. But the day we allow them to, you know, have their own way, he specifically says, the day we allow them to pass laws that apply to us but not them is the day we're done. And that happened a long time ago. And how many times do we say it every week on this program that our voters are horribly undereducated, 
They are there's a lack of engagement and understanding. Yet they'll go to the polls and vote every time. They're super voters, but they don't know what they're doing. Well, they don't understand these concepts, Bill. I mean, the, the whole purpose of the Constitution is to preserve liberty. It, it says that right in the, the preamble, the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. We, we, don't, we don't even know what the word liberty means. This is why politicians, by the way, never use the word liberty. They always say freedom. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you believe that, you know, my, my congressman comes home and talks about all the great things he did for the district, and I ask him every time you come by, what did you do to protect the Constitution? And he never has an answer. He gets tired of seeing me. So it's like, well, that's, <laughs> that's your reason for being there. And if you don't understand that, and then, of course, then the argument that I get from Republican side, when I ask the same question is, but Dave, we have to win elections in order to do anything. Okay, great. But when you win elections, what do you do? <laughs> and we're back to the same problem. If they're not going to follow it. It's been a disappointment it, over and over. When you give Republicans power, they don't utilize it well. They uh, are seen as compromising to the other side far too often and not taking the steps that they campaign on. Yeah, and again, how many of those campaign promises are about upholding and defending the Constitution and protecting liberty versus policy and political stuff? And this is why I don't watch debates, because they don't discuss any of this stuff. In fact, I would bet you money that not a single one of those people up there understands any of these concepts. None of them. Not one. I don't care who you say. They don't understand those concepts. And you see that in their actions. And it's just, it, that bothers me. But at the same time, this is what we have to deal with, Mario. So what are we, the people, doing to deal with? That's exactly right. Always enjoy these 8 o'clock hours on a Tuesday. Enjoy every minute Dave spends with us. He had extra minutes this week. He was our guest on the Florida Roundtable on Sunday. You can pick that podcast up in the podcast section at BillMick.com. And on the Bill Mick Live iHeartRadio channel, fun conversation, an interesting story about a hero of Pearl Harbor. And uh, Gatto's Tire and Auto Service made the hour possible. Dave, thank you. I will look forward to talking to you next Tuesday. We will see you then.